0: I committed to buying it before I knew how I was gonna pay for it. And probably dumb, but really the only thing I had to lose was the opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, it would have been a little embarrassing to have to go back to the seller and say, I couldn't figure it out, I'm really sorry. And that basically builds the
1: resume to show any institution that's looking at me, hey, this guy's a professional, he knows what he's doing, here's his track record, here's his numbers. You know, he's going to be a good risk for us to make money by lending him money on these deals, right?
0: You are now now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweight
1: Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life.
0: Your weekly deep dive into DFW Real Estate, life and beyond with your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, hello and good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Real Estate Heavyweights University, where we're taking a deep dive into the world of real estate investing for the real estate professionals, for the realtors out there, the people that are wanting to flip, uh, learn how to flip. Um, we're we're going to be interviewing some people in the, the industry at some point relatively soon. This is where we'll be you know, diving deep with them, figuring out how they do their thing. But right now, we're, we're just tapping into the knowledge that I'm gaining uh, as, as I'm learning on my fourth flip and as Tavis is sharing on, on the, the hundreds of flips that he's done. So Real Estate Heavyweights University is where we do that. On Fridays, we try to come to you with a little bit of a lighter take on the real estate industry, the latest news try to tap into some what's happening with some celebrities here and there. And we get into some, some terminology. Maybe, uh, we try to, we try to take a look at things that you may not know. If you're a casual looker at the the real estate industry, we'll just give you a glance of, of what's going on, maybe teach you a little bit and it's a lot of fun. So join us for Fridays. But, um, today we're going to get into flipping and some financing. So before we do that, let's check in. How are you doing Tavis? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This, uh, this weather's cooling down. We're looking forward to rain this week. It's a good week. Yep. Yes, it has not rained here in the DFW area in a lot. I think it had one good rain in the last month, and I think we've both qualified as being old when we we start talking about the weather. So <laughs> the next the next phase that I've learned from doing home health with uh, physical therapy, because uh, for those of you, you don't know, I have a full time job as a, a physical therapist assistant doing home health. I also have a realtor license. I do work with uh, people buying and selling, and then I invest. So I have a lot of uh, insight into the older world. So the next phase, after talking about the weather all the time, is talking about your doctor's appointments. And when you start having a preference in hospitals and you have sort of a hierarchy of uh, doctors that you trust, that's the next phase of getting old. So <laughs> we have that to look forward to. So, um, awesome. yeah. So, f- you know, from my, my, Day and week has uh, been pretty busy. Last week was a little bit of a, a lull with the flip on Mapleton. But we have cabinets in. The painters are there today. We have the countertop guys came by over the weekend to measure. Uh, the roofers going by tomorrow. We've got all sorts of stuff happening this week. So it kind of ebbs and flows, but we're making a ton of progress this week. And I definitely appreciate you, Tavis, for coordinating a lot of that. And uh, I'm getting to see kind of behind the scenes on how to communicate with contractors. And actually it makes me feel a little bit good because my last job that I was managing, I didn't hear back. You know, I just thought, well, I'm a newbie. They don't care. Well, they ignore you too sometimes. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't help, but it does make me feel a little bit better to know that, Hey, they're not just ignoring me because I don't know what I'm doing. So
1: yeah, no, uh, they're just, you know, I, I say this all the time to other people, in the industry, or if you're just jumping in, you know, if you're, if you come from the real estate side and the sales side, the construction side is just built different, right? And they, Mm -hmm. uh, they typically are doing the labor or they're really busy with their projects and they just get inundated with what they have going on. And that's all they can see. And when they get busy or covered up, you know, they, they can't communicate, you know, they're, they're just mm-hmm. not the best, even though they have their phone with them, they're just not the best to take two minutes of time and update us. Even if they're telling us what we don't want to hear, they don't right. understand that concept of communication. The majority of my guys don't, uh, there's a couple sales reps that, you know, work for the companies and they do cause they're sales guys. Right. But the majority of the trades that do really, really good work. Are just not the best communicators. They're just not salespeople. They just don't understand, and they really don't have much of an interest in changing how they communicate. So yeah. we have to become the pest and and communicate over and over again, or text the same thing three or four times. And I found several of the times. Well, so for instance, like my drywall guy that we've been trying to get to go to Mapleton, he's not much of a texter. I've texted him. I knew I wouldn't get a response on Sunday. But I expected a, a response this morning. And so I hit him again. Yeah. Well, then he calls me, right? Yeah. Um, but I had him on the group text so you could see communication, but he calls me offline anyway. So, anyways, that's just uh, a little insight there on how these guys operate sometimes. You just have to yeah. be diligent and be persistent to get a hold of them and get answers because they're not going to be persistent backwards unless they're trying to get a check.
0: Yep. When they want that money, <laughs> they figure out how to text and they figure out how to call pretty quickly. So, yeah, I mean it's understandable. And, and honestly, like the the more organized and the more communicative they are, if they have an assistant or an office, it's just more expensive because they built in some of those costs. So you have to find that happy median of, you know, if someone's just never busy, they're probably not very good. You know, if they can if they can come over immediately, I've learned, you know. There, that is sort of a red flag. I was like, "Yep, yeah, nothing going on today. I'll I'll be there." That's, you know, maybe you just kind of hit them on a, a lull, which yeah, it happens. But sometimes it's like the busy guys is is who you want. So you definitely want to find that balance. So yeah, it's it's been a good week. I'm really looking forward to um, what's gonna what's gonna look like at the end of this week because we might have some paint done and uh, a lot of the cosmetic stuff is gonna start coming together. So I'm definitely Absolutely. excited. Yeah, all that time with the paint samples and all that's gonna pay off. So well, today we are going to continue our Real Estate Heavyweights University, uh, our look at how to flip a house. Like I said, I'm on number four. Tavis has done over 200. He has a ton of knowledge. Uh, we work in the Dallas area. I've been able to tap into a lot of his, um, his workers. It was through some trial and error. I actually used a general contractor for a few projects. I fired him mid-project um, of this one. And started taking it over myself, and I became very busy because I do work full-time, and I'm trying to get that, my flips 45 minutes away. And so it's it's a lot, you know, and so you learn a lot. And we're, we're diving into how to do that. <clears throat> and one of the main issues with how to flip, last time, if you haven't checked out last time, we talked about how to figure out how much of a, a work you're going to need to do on a house, how to how to categorize is it a level one, a level two, a level three, or a level four flip, when you're analyzing a possible deal and so we're looking at all that we're trying to build this picture of okay is this something that I can even uh, spend my time on to try to flip well the next thing you got to figure out or at some point you've got to figure out is your money and Tavis and I have both gone through this different ways actually and he's gonna dive into how he did it and it works for him great and I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into how I did mine um, but uh, before we do that, Tavis, do you, I know you use the bank. I use hard money and private money outside of that. What what would you say that the main categories are as far as financing goes? So the main categories would be obviously
1: cash, right? Uh, if True, you just yeah. have cash lying around, um, and then other people's money is what we would consider, uh, either private equity, you know, private money that might be, you know friends family a fund uh, a cousin an aunt an uncle something like that a neighbor mm-hmm. and then you have hard money which is typically uh, what we see is institutions uh, small institutions will set up hard money where they have raised capital from other investors and um, then will you know underwrite you and uh, and fund the deal based on the property uh, is is usually the key the key factors right they Care more about the property than they do about the borrower. It's not necessarily always true, but uh, the the property is a big piece of that. Um, I've heard, you know, private equity, for instance, um, is obviously uh, similar to bank financing in a way. Typically, they might have longer terms, you know, things like that. Um, but they're going to underwrite you as the borrower and the property as well. Uh, they're going to get a little bit more sophisticated than what you see in hard money or just, you know, raising uh, money from your friends and family. Yep. And then bank financing is uh, typically depending on what the bank, what kind of products they have available. I use local or regional banks and what we call kind of like a guidance line. And so that guidance line yeah. is saying, hey, we're going to give you an allowance up to, Two million, three million dollars to work with at any any time, uh, specific to a property that meets these types of criteria. Uh, criteria. So, okay. Uh, for instance, um, I have uh, loans that uh, if the loan amount is less than two hundred fifty thousand, then our restrictions, guidelines, and appraisal scenarios are much easier to work with. They can do a drive-by appraisal. They don't have to go in the home uh, et cetera. Okay. If it's over $250,000 loan amount, then it's going to be uh, a little bit more of a deeper dive. They're going to go into the home and do a full appraisal. That's for the bank, right. Uh, to make sure that all the numbers line up to what we're borrowing. And then the cool thing that we're able to do is we borrow money against the project. Um, so total project money or total, total amount borrowed, is including the acquisition price and the renovation included in that Uh, Mm. but that typically can't exceed 80 percent of ltv loan to value or uh, of arv if you will so it's called loan to cost is what uh, the structure is for the down payment requirement loan to cost meaning acquisition plus rehab and then that loan to cost might be somewhere between 85 to 90 percent it just depends on the deal, the price point, and the structure. Okay. But that's typically how my financing works with with the bank. Now, uh, to dive a little deeper into that, in order to get that kind of financing, the bank's gonna want to look at your resume, if you will. Right. So there, sure. I have a tracking sheet of all of the projects I've been doing uh, ever since we started really tracking them back to like 2011. And um, I have every deal that we've we've purchased, our acquisition numbers, our sale numbers, our rehab numbers, our days on market, our project timelines, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. If we made money, if we lost money, et cetera, uh, and then what our what our ROI was, a percentage of our ROI to track. Um, and then I started doing it with wholesales as well. So I track every deal that I do, and that basically builds a resume to show any institution that's looking at me, hey, this guy's a professional. He knows what he's doing. Here's his track record. Here's his numbers. You know, he's going to be a good risk for us to make money by lending him money on these deals, right? Sure. Um, so they're going to look at my credit report. Uh, basically, um, they're going to pull credit, but they're also going to look at a personal financial statement. So anybody that's building wealth or starting to grow their their own personal wealth building should be uh, doing an annualized, uh, you know, financial statement as well. And this gets into what your net worth looks like, you know, what your total assets minus your liabilities, you know, equates to. So uh, this is something I have to update annually. I get with the CPA, we update it, we give it to the bank and they do basically an annual review each year on, um, me as a borrower, my companies and, you know, my borrowing status with the bank.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And maybe here in a minute, we can talk about what it looks like, um, from start to finish through a project and kind of what you, you know, have to bring to a deal that Basically, and what you resume to, to show. but I'll get into that's- how I've done. Mine is different. And interestingly, it's, you know, not intentionally, but a lot of the books you read is like no money down, getting into real estate with other people's money. And, and, and a lot of people glamorize it in a way. Um, and it can be difficult, but the reality is, is it it can happen. And I just happened to do that. And a lot of the reason was I was presented an opportunity and it goes back to, it wasn't just luck. Really. I had You know, when I was a junior in college, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it took me 20 years basically of listening to podcasts and reading books and dreaming about doing real estate and knowing people that did real estate and being on the periphery in a lot of ways before I, I finally pulled the trigger. And so I had, I had a lot of knowledge and I, but the biggest thing was, is I had decided that this is something that I wanted to pursue. And so then when an opportunity actually presented itself for me to be able to buy a house that was going to be a good investment, I committed to buying it before I knew how I was going to pay for it. And probably dumb, but really the only thing I had to lose was the opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, I, it would have been a little embarrassing to have to go back to the seller and say, I couldn't figure it out. I'm really sorry. Well, that's but
1: And, and I've told you this before. I mean, you taking that action is half the, it, it, that is the majority of the battle for anybody that reads yeah. a book, gets motivated, but then does nothing with it, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that you seek the opportunity and then you said, all right, I'm ready to pursue it. I don't know how I'm putting it together yet, but I'm gonna go for yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and luckily I had a little bit of a runway. I knew that the they were gonna be selling. It was a probate deal. And so I had some time to figure it out. So I committed to her and said, yeah, I wanna buy it. And if I can't buy it, I'll find you a buyer. That was kind of our deal. And I had my real estate license, and I, it wouldn't have sold, it wouldn't have appraised probably uh, for a traditional buyer. And so I said, if I can't buy it, I'll find an investor that can buy it for you. So that was our deal. And it just so happened that I was I was representing just a, a retail a customer that was buying a house. He was a young guy. And for his down payment, he used his 401k. And I knew that, but it had kind of flown over my head a little bit. And so when I started exploring different ways to pay for this investment, I said, well, I actually have a 401k. I wonder how he did that. I called up the guy who bought this small house and said, by the way, you know, how did you, how did you manage that? He explained to me how he did his and I went into my 401k website and there was a button there that said, borrow, borrow money or whatever. I committed to buying it before I knew how I was going to pay for it and probably Nice. Dumb, but really the only thing I had to lose was the opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, I, it would have been a little embarrassing to have to go back to the seller and say, I could, you mm-hmm. know, I, I went and I found a hard money lender. I looked at, you know, some different things. I think I was going to some meetups at the time. And so I found a hard money lender, uh, easy street and they're out of Austin. And so I found out what they needed as far as financial, the down payment I could do that with my 401k. They, um, so when you're dealing with hard money, like Tavis said, they care more about the actual asset than the person. You know, when you go get a loan from the bank, they want credit reports. They want your history. They want all sorts of stuff, hard money. You know, I exaggerate a little bit, but is basically if they don't see you on the, the news that night, robbing a bank to figure out your down payment, <laughs> they don't particularly care where it comes from because I know, like I gave him a screenshot of the bank account. Yeah, that was my underwriting. So and so, so walk us
1: through, walk us through a little bit, Ashton. Just uh, what that deal looked like, just to kind of give you know our listeners, you know, an idea. Um, you know, you, it, somebody may be thinking, you know, that they have a four hundred one k, but they only have a you know twenty thirty thousand dollars in it. Yeah. You know, um, I would have to go back and look at the us an exact idea. numbers.
0: Yeah, but I think I, I think uh, the purchase price on that. I mean, it, of course, it was a cheap house. It's East Plano, three two, had ha- bad foundation problems. That th- it needed to be completely renovated. And I want to say that the purchase price was around. Uh, I should have done this before the episode, but around one hundred and eighty or something like that. And I think I needed to come to close with around forty thousand dollars. Okay. And. Um, and were you rolling in rehab into that? Yeah, that okay. was going to roll in some of the rehab. And I want to say at the time I had estimated around fifty thousand dollars rehab, and probably way under. But this is this was a few years ago, and I I I believe the four hundred one k was either forty or forty five thousand. I may have had a little bit of cash, but I was able to fund everything out of pretty much out of the four hundred one k. Sure. And so what will happen is so it was is it you, was a
1: little bit over twenty percent. Yeah. That you were putting. Yeah, exactly. Down. That's about okay. what they're
0: going to want. It's about twenty percent. Okay. So. Um, and that's held true. I've done hard money on a couple of the deals. So what they do is they they you you call the hard money, you fill out your forms, tell them what the deal is, what you're wanting to do with it, and and you know, a good hard money lender is gonna have a process. And then they do their underwriting and they say, Yep. And what they do is they offer you a, it's called a term sheet. And on the term sheet is basically what it says is we're gonna lend you this. You're going to put down this, and this is going to be your rate. Now, the big thing with hard money is it's freaking expensive. And typically, you know, I actually haven't priced it out since the rates have gone up. But you're going to be looking at, I would say, your prime rate, your your kind of your retail rate, plus at least 4 or 5%, if I had to guess right now. And, you know, at the time, I think I was at 12%. It also, they'll typically tack on what are called points. At the time, I didn't know what a point was a point is a 1% 1% of the deal. So if they say 1 point origination fee and your deal is $200,000, well that's going to be a $2,000 origination fee. Sometimes they charge more than that. And I think my first deal was 3 points. That's where they give you a discount if you're experienced. So if you're an experienced borrower or flipper, they'll reduce the amount of points they want up front. So they get money up front and then they're going to give you your loan, let's say 12% annual, 13% annual. And so then when you're paying every month, I pay my mortgage to them, it's interest only. And so then um, the other thing with that is you get draws and you probably get draws too. And so to get your rehab money, you have to float the money. So you go buy the, the materials or the refrigerator, whatever it is, then you take pictures. Every hard money lender has a different process, but you can take pictures. Sometimes they'll send out a, an inspector to actually walk the property. And now um, Easy Street has more of an online version of it. But basically you have to prove that you spent the money on what you said you're going to, and then they'll release that those funds. Then you can use that money again, go buy the next phase, go buy the next phase. The, the thing you got to watch out for is some hard money lenders, they actually charge for their draws. So I think Easy Street's around 300 bucks per draw. So you want to group those together so you're not making 10 draws, that's another $3,000. You know, So there, there's a game you got to play there. Um, and typically the hard money is about a six month loan. When the market is poor, we've heard that some of those hard money lenders will not extend your loan. I've been lucky and I've had to extend a couple times once and they were fine with it as long as you're making your payments. And as long as you're on target and you can explain why you're running long or whatever, they're probably going to be fine with it because they're making good money on you, but you know, you do have to, it is a business and typically they're going to be funded by a big fund somewhere. Um, so anyway, they have their rules. So, so do you, um, do you remember did what,
1: did, what did that run you a month? Did it, were you paying monthly, monthly yeah. fees in? Okay. So well, you that had,
0: one is interesting because I was, that was the one I was in and out of super quick. I'm out okay. made one payment on Got that it. one. And I, I, if I had to guess that payment was, you know, two, maybe 2000 bucks when I was doing Polk and I was doing easy street hard money, I want to say my payment was $3,200 and you know, Mapleton now. My is a private money lender and my payments around $3,300, 3400 So, uh, and I can get into the private money part here in a sec, but do you have any other questions on hard money or did I explain that pr- fairly well? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think you did a good job with it. And, and it is similar with, uh, with the bank and, and as far as getting draws and, um, uh, I have origination, uh, points as well. Um, it's typically somewhere between one and a half to two points on the, on the front side depending on the loan amount and just the deal structure. And um, we typically, the goal is to be um, acquisition and renovation total cost under 80% of ARV as far as yep. what the bank wants to lend on the deal, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And that's
0: the other, yep, and that's another variable. When you're shopping hard money, you want to shop points. because so you're going to shop your rate you want to shop points you want to shop draw uh fees and what was the the variable you just said uh the, oh percentage of the, the lump so they will go to like 75% 80 85% of, of so some of them
1: will actually give you more money yeah so it's some a, of it, them it goes back to knowing your numbers right and yep. and buy it deep enough and the banks are usually pretty happy with me because my numbers are usually yep. you know w- well within range underneath that and um my ARVs are are typically conservative. I've been very fortunate um, over the last couple of years with this bank in particular that I use that the ARVs um, once they get their appraisal numbers back, they're typically higher than what
0: my ARV is. So uh, yep. that's been great. Good. Um, yeah. And with the track record, I mean the moral of this story is the more experience you get, the cheaper money you get. And if you if you hit your numbers and you make your payments, you know you're gonna just have access to cheaper money. So, right. now that being said, Easy Street or hard money, it's pretty quick. You know, I I, I want to say that from the time I said I'm good to go and I have this, you know, we could have closed that deal in maybe two weeks or little less, less. You know, yeah, some of it was just me waiting on me to get stuff done. So, a little bit faster than that and easier than that is private money. And yep. so. The next, the next thing I've done is I've used private money. I've used it two different ways. So on the bigger flip that we did at Polk, I had to come to the table with I think a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for the house that I found. Again, I did not have that, and but I, what I, what I did have, and I knew that going into it, is I had a friend that's a real estate attorney, and his wife. They had decided that they wanted to get into some real estate investing, but they didn't really want to manage a deal. They didn't want to, you know, be in charge of tile and all. They want to have to go find it. and They want to sell it, and they said, "Look, if you find something, we'll help fund it." So I went and found one. They put the money down, and I I managed it and I sold it. So our arrangement was: you put your money down. I'm going to give you a flat percentage of a uh, uh, return. I didn't make payments to them. It was all at closing. The nice thing about that private money is it's all up to you. I mean, you can be as creative as you want. You can be an annual interest rate. You can be a flat interest rate. You can say I'm going to make payments, or I'm going to pay you out of closing. The thing you want to be careful with on that is you want to do a promissory note. You want to make it official. You want to make sure everyone's understanding. They're probably going to take a second position on the loan. Um, that that means that if it gets foreclosed on, whoever your primary lender is at hard money or whoever else is going to. They're going to get paid first, and then your your secondary uh, will get paid out. So they would take a second position. But you can be creative on that one. And, you know, they're great partners because they don't care what color I paint the house. <laughs> they don't show up at the work site. They don't check in, really. They, they trust that, uh, you know, I'm doing right by them. And so far, they've been paid out, and they, they love it. So I've used them on that. They actually bought the rental house out in Sweetwater, and I pay them interest on that. Um, out of the rents, and so that's a great relationship. The other way you can do private money is I have someone who actually acted as a bank for me, and so the Mapleton House, they funded everything, and our arrangement there was that she was gonna pay for the house and half the rehab. So I came to the table with the other half of the rehab. The problem is, is rehab went over, so I've actually had to come to the table with a lot. So it's great because I've had, you know, great access to money and it's super easy and very little underwriting. But when things go wrong and it's like, well, you, you got to figure it out, you know, so either I have to go back to her and say, I need more money or I got to figure it out. So, uh, but she, again, she's a great partner. She doesn't show up at the, the work site. She doesn't really care what I do. As long as I'm making my payments, everything's great. And I, I pay her monthly though. So I, I pay her a basically just an interest only mortgage. She sends me an like an official invoice. She's very professional about everything and I pay her and and that's it. So the nice thing about that though, those two, in, those two private people, literally I could call if we have an arrangement and it's like, Hey, um, I'm going to the bank. Can you wire the money? And they, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is like a couple hours later, there's 50,000 or $250,000 in your bank. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. It's expensive. You know, I, uh, my, my, uh, Private lenders, I I've been around ten percent with them, and my other one's around fourteen percent, and it all just it all has to do with how easy it is, how much you need it, what your other options are at the moment. Hopefully, long term, I don't pay that, you know. But at the time, the numbers penciled, and it was fine, and it was and it was fast, and it allowed me to get into deals and learn. And they get paid good money, and it's worked out so far. So yeah, yeah, I, it's great.
1: So Ashton, to kind of wrap this up, I think you know for people listening out there, the key is knowing uh, that there is opportunities out there. You know, we just talked about uh, several different options that you can do and go about, um, you know, getting started and, um, you know, and, and raising capital or finding capital if you find the deal. And we talked about this several times before finding the deal is the, is the name of the game. Actually knowing, your numbers finding the real opportunity that exists uh, with an off-market property that has you know uh, has meat on the bone that we can look at and annualize and and break it down and um and yep. and, and and do and take action right put yep. the deal together yep. and take action
0: yeah I mean I think we talked about one time there's I I see it that there's four parts of a the deal there's acquisition there's fun there's funding it there's the financing of it there's the management and then there's the selling and if you can figure out how to take part in one of those or two or three of those you can make money doing uh, investing you don't have to be perfect at all of them so find a partner that can do the other parts if if you're good at finding deals and find someone that can pay for it if you're good at managing stuff and you're good at construction find a money person and you know kind of the, the long and short of it is there's money out there and people have 401k's and people have bonus checks that they get from work, or they sold a house and now they're renting. Like there's just reasons why people have two, three, four hundred, half a million dollars laying around or more. And if you can show them, Hey, here's my vision. You can be good on your numbers. And then you, you know, you actually execute, you can find money. And whether that's like Tavis through a bank or like me through friends and family and and private money, you, you can do it. So, if you have any questions about any of the details, I know that was a ton of numbers and all that really fast. Please reach out. You know, you can find me on Instagram, Dallas Real Estate Guy Ashton Hines. Uh, uh, please send me a message. You know, um, follow along here. We're gonna keep talking about how to flip a house. We're gonna try to hit all the details. And uh, if you, you want to learn more, go back to the beginning. We're numbering them all, so I think this is flipping number four. We've talked a lot about how to to acquire it and how to figure out how much you're going to pay for the rehab. And we're just going to keep going down the line. So, Tavis, let them know how they can uh, get in touch with you. I'm Tavis, like Travis with no R,
1: Tavis Westbrook, I'm mainly on Instagram and Facebook. Happy to uh, have a conversation with you guys. So, if you uh, need anything or if you guys have
0: any deals and you're trying to put something together, please don't hesitate to reach out. Yep. We're always looking for deals, looking to close. We can help you wholesale. We can help you flip. We want to help you teach it, you know, to get down that path. However you want to do that, we can help take part in that. So um, if you like this stuff, like it, subscribe, share it with a friend. It would do us a huge, huge favor. And we hope to see you on Friday. Talk to you soon.